Recording live from a protest of the East Pen firing of John Clayton, it's the Seahawks Nest Podcast. Can you, can you believe it? The last real, uh, it's Adam Schefter, he's the only guy left, <laughs> legitimate NFL reporters who work for ESPN. And somewhere, our very favorite draft expert. Shut up. Alright, uh, if you, t- <laughs> if you make one, I'm not even gonna let you make a pretend compliment to Mel Kiper Jr. No. I'm Nathan Santo, joined as always by my cohort, Kevin Garber. Uh, do you think Mel Kuyper's hairpiece made more than John Clayton last year? I, I hope so. And also joined by Hardest the... working hairpiece in the business. By the Gruber, to my McLean, Eric Ronnebeck. I'll take it. <laughs> I'm going to start doing one of those every week. All right, so uh, I like to pretend we have a big rivalry. You know, I'm going to build it up. and It's going to be like the rivalry that sounds between good us to and me, Cowboy. Wait, can it be from the South so it's a rivalry? Rivalry. Got a rivalry. Uh, I just, I just want to bring this up because uh, we've got some new listeners. Some new blood has joined the podcast. And uh, I just want to let you guys know that we have a rivalry with field goals. Yes. But we don't know exactly <laughs> what the rivalry is. Hey, man, is they about. wanted it. They, they wanted the fight. They will get it. They've got beef or at least like Boca. So here's what happened. Uh, we've mentioned them in tweets complimenting them several times. And then they blocked us. That's it. They couldn't handle the pressure. But (laughs) most modest Seahawks coverage in the game. Here's here's another weird thing. A bunch of their writers follow us. (laughs) Like, almost all of them. Wait, wait. Maybe it's like when your work blocks, like, Reddit because people keep going on there. It's like, man, they're all just picking up their hot takes from the Seahawks nest. We should block the Seahawks nest. Then they have to follow with their individual accounts. That's one thing we had this summer. It's hot takes. The hottest. So yeah, that that I just wanted to update everyone on our beef with the field goals. Uh, if you know why the field goals blocked us, please let us know because I would love to hear about it. And it if you work for the up. field goals and you know why they blocked us, then also let us know. Yeah, I, I know we have I know we have beef, but I'd like to uh, I'd like to at least know why. <laughs> so we can amp it up, honestly. Yeah, I'd like I want we're willing wanna, to foster that rivalry. I want to keep it going. Excuse All me, right. that rivalry. So let's dig right in Seahawks news this week. Let's do this. Seahawks will put the number 96 on their jersey all season to honor Cortez Kennedy. Yeah. To that, I say, perfect. Did the NFL actually okay this one, or do they have something wrong with that, too? I'm sure that they will make us uh, feel bad about it in some way. Uh, but no, P. Impossible. P. Carroll is going to get 96 onto the uniform in some way this season. Could not be happier. Gonna, there's ne- You know, the thing about Tez is he always came back. He was always around the team. He was a Seahawk 100% of the way. Yep. There's, you can't say that about a, a ton of guys, you know. As everyone kind of moves on at some point. Walt, Cortez, Steve, like these are the guys that were Seahawks a hundred percent of the way. They never, they never had any other team, and so I, I will always extra appreciate Cortez for that. Absolutely, could not agree more. He gave his heart to this city. Uh, all right, so Russell Wilson is the star of a new Nike ad campaign. This is like one of the biggest stories of the week. Yep. And I actually think it's pretty fun. By, by the way, I like how this bumped Austin Davis. I'm, I'm, I'm behind that though, so let's oh, keep we're, going. We're, we're gonna, that's gonna, <laughs> that might get bumped all the way back. It might get bumped like Matt Damon does from, from the, from the Jimmy <laughs> Kimmel show. Jimmy Kimmel. All right, so, uh, have you guys seen the commercials yet? I saw the filming of the commercial. I have not seen it yet. I have not. Okay, so the commercial's pretty good. It's, it's uh, a bunch of 49ers missing. They're all on roller skates. Uh, and then, oh, so it's the real 49ers. I was about to say, so they did game footage? So it's they're all on roller skates, and then they're all like missing tackles on Russell Wilson. It's really fun. Uh, I, uh, I wonder how much this will feed the narrative of like the team thinks Russell Wilson gets a lot of undue attention. You know, I just can't wait for those uh, ESPN hot take stories. Oh, I'm sure it'll definitely feel that narrative. As you said, they don't have any real reporters left, so it's just their uh, buzz the hot feed. takes machine. 
Yep, BuzzFeed Sports, ESPN. Uh, so I I would highly suggest like checking out the new ads. They're fun. Uh, they're cool. And if you want some new football cleats, maybe you'll want these shoes. Yeah. Hey, what is the point of the of the uh, the roller skates? Is it uh, it's like because like your cleats are so good and you can like make such quick moves. It's like your opponents are on roller skates because you can't change oh, directions in roller skates. Zing. Uh, so yeah, you that's kind of really good at roller skating. Think, but I mean, not like you can on in these cleats, bro. <laughs> so, and on grass. Kevin. So basically, what I'm hearing is Nike is uh, sacrificing their roller skate line in order to really double down on the football cleats. Right. You know that, that makes sense. That's a good marketing move. So here's my big story of the week, though, and uh, the big story that I think is actually football related. The running back battle is heating up. Thomas <laughs> Rawls is getting a lot of really positive reviews in OTAs. Everything is great. He's really hustling. He's doing a great job. Eddie Lacy is meeting all his weight requirements. He's looking powerful. I have a question for you guys. Is this normal, like, oh, he's in the best shape of his life stuff? Or are we going to have a legit thunder and lightning backfield combo to start the season? I want each of your guys' opinions. Take it down one at a time. Go ahead. First of all, yeah, I think it's heating up, and I think it's fair to say that. Thomas Rawls... Hasn't been healthy. Thomas Rawls has not been consistent. Signing someone like Eddie Lacy, it's not like they signed a clear-cut number one back. They signed someone who's been outcast, who's been, you know, made fun of quite a bit for his fatness and his inability to be uh, be a number one back. This is it's calling you out, Thomas Rawls, and I think because of that, Thomas Rawls is looking good. As far as Thunder and Lightning goes, I don't know. I'd say whatever back between those two backs starts and CJ Procise. I think we keep all three backs, but I don't know. It, it, I think that's the that's like the one thing we're hoping for. It's like, wow, Rawls, Lacey, and Procise. Rawls and Lacey are going to be great, and Procise is going to be like this, so this hybrid receiver. If we ran like 30 times a game, are you saying you'd like to see like 10 – are 12, 12, and, and 6, something like that, like a split like that, Eric? Yeah, and we talked about maybe C.J. Procise seeing more uh, receptions, the passing game as a receiver. And on the Seahawks website a couple weeks ago, they said that C.J. Procise has been running a lot more receiving routes. So, yeah, that's exactly what I'm saying, 12, 14, 6, something like that. Well, I definitely think there's something to be said for the idea that all these guys are getting carries. Uh, part of it is just that standard... Hey, you know, it's the time of year. Everyone shows up in the best shape of their life. Everyone shows up. You know, there's always these, uh, you know, oh, so-and-so is healthier than expected. So-and-so has a whole new outlook, you know. And you kind of, on this podcast, we write off the whole Richard Sherman angle about the what he is in the locker room and for the same reason i think we ought to write off these types of stories about how they look in otas because in the end for as much as preseason's meaningless ota is super meaningless especially right now um okay so between the between the two guys do you think by the beginning of the season will there be clearly a number one or do you think it will be like a hot hand approach then Hot hand. Absolutely. I think that this team likes having a horse, but the last two years... I agree with that, Kevin. Like, I think the team would rather have one guy, but... The last two years that uh, Marshawn Lynch was fully healthy, he had over 300 carries. He had over 280 carries 
four of his last five seasons with the team. Or four out of five of his full seasons with the team, I should say. Yep. Uh, Eddie Lacy isn't going to carry the ball 300 times. Um, even in his biggest season, he had 284 his rookie year. He had 246 his second year. He's going to be right around that 200, 220 carry mark, which is what you want for a guy who's four yards per carry. So that still would leave, what, 100 carries for Rawls? And you'd be looking at a standard backup slash third down back level of carries for CJ Prosize sitting out there. And I think that's the distribution that you're going to see because we're going to be running the ball peak Seahawks offense levels. There's going to be a lot of running the ball, especially at the very beginning of the year, especially at the very end of the year. Look for that, run the ball, get a fresh back in. We're going to be rotating them out like our defensive ends. You know, Bennett and Averill get a lot of snaps at defensive end. They're definitely bell cows, but when we had talent to rotate with them, you know, Clark gets a heck of a lot of snaps too. All right, so let's talk about um, the renewed focus on the run game has led to a couple of things. One, we've legitimately put a lot of effort into having good running backs next year and a lot of running backs. So that I think that's to protect against what you guys both mentioned, Rawls being missing some carries and Eddie Lacy missing some carries in yep. his career. Um, the second thing, the offensive line. We have put money into the offensive line. It's not like the highest quality talent in the NFL, but we are going to go from the worst offensive line in the league to somewhere in the middle, which if we can be 22nd, that's a huge improvement from last year. Yep. So let's talk a little bit about the offensive line. Um, George Fant, Carol's raving about him. Every interview, George Fant, oh, he's so great. He's going to play left tackle. He's so great. He's so great. Fetty. It's really transitioned to right tackle. Everyone's talking him up at right tackle. Okay, so let's say that these two, let's say that these two guys, Fant makes the roster as a left tackle. I don't think he's going to start, but he makes the roster as a left tackle. Fetty is ready to play right tackle. Where does every, where does everyone else fit in then? Especially starting along the line. Are we still with, uh, do you still believe in the import, the imported, uh, Left tackle from Jacksonville. Jokel. Luke Jokel. Luke Jokel's you... coming off an ACL. I think that's one of the reasons why you're hearing so much hype around George Fant is because it's, Jokel can't take the snaps right now, and we might need Fant. I think in the Fant end, that's probably going to be... looks really good. Like, his body looks... in Like, when you see a picture of him, you're and like... And he's gained Whoa. a lot of good weight. Yeah, you're yeah. like, this guy looks stacked. Because he looked like a basketball player. He looked like a big, big power forward. He looked kind of like uh, Gates last year. You're like uh, you know, like a big always, tight end. You get like uh, yeah, exactly. Or you'd have the basketball player that wasn't as tall as Shaq, but was a little chubby, and they'd be like, "Ooh, it's baby Shaq." Was it a uh, Keith tractor trailer? There you go. <laughs> Charles Barkley. Yeah, I mean that's the what round he mound like. or rebound. He does. He looks like he looks like a tackle that should have really good footwork. Let's see if he has footwork. What Kevin said about all these hot takes and the OTAs about this player is the you know is coming in looking the best. That's how I feel about George Fan right now. I mean. You can't really look much worse than George Fant did last year, so I feel like we're hearing all of the good things about him now because he has improved, I'm sure. How does, this, how does this picture I'm showing you right now make you feel that the Seahawks posted on Facebook? Does this make you feel better about George Fant? Because this is our friend George Fant talking about offensive line play with Seahawks legend Walter Jones. Uh, if I were in the front good. office, I would literally duct tape Fant to <laughs> Big Walt. Anything he can learn. Anything is a plus. If he learns how to tie his cleats from Walt, this will not be a bad thing. Like, and But the fact of the matter is, you know, again, these are all super obvious things. But 
go talk to Cleveland fans. Go talk to um, Buffalo fans. Talk to some of these dysfunctional franchises or that have had long periods of dysfunction. Think about, for those of you that are also Mariners fans, and <laughs> the fact of the matter is, the fact that we're getting these stories is important because, yeah, Fant should come in in the best shape of his life. And yeah, he should be job shadowing Big Walt. And the fact that he is, is good. Yeah, he's making it doesn't necessarily mean good things are going to happen for sure, but it means he's not actively screwing up. Let me put it this way. And this is why I might be a whole more hopeful for Fant than most. He got thrown into the fire last year. Awful. He had basically no chance to succeed. He did exactly what you would expect someone in that situation to do. In fact, maybe even a little bit better than you might expect someone. He didn't get literally situation. killed. But like, we also, we talked about the zone blocking scheme. It's not so much like, it's hey, not simple. Yeah, you, you, have need, to make you need to take the guy in front of you. No, zone blocking is like, you need to step back, and move you to your to, right, and take the nose tag. you got to know what the guy next to you is going to do. Like, I think Fant, two years down the line, could be one of our best offensive linemen. Like, I'm not willing to accept that he's just dead weight, completely gone. Will he be great this year? No, but he could be like a 55 PFF player, which would be way better than we got at a left tackle last year. I agree. I think he doesn't have the physical limitations that some of the other people we ran out there did last year. Sal. But <laughs> what he has, he has a lot of physical tools. And you hear this talk around draft time. Oh, man, this guy comes from, uh, actually, Nathan is a Wazoo alum or people that followed uh, Leach's career. Or if you think about some of those air raid offenses, they talk about, oh, it's a wide splits, two-point stance offensive line. How are they going to transition? When they come to the NFL, there's a bigger learning curve. Okay, here's a dude who hasn't played offensive line since high school. You know, what's his learning curve going to be? It's exactly what Nathan said. You have to respect that learning curve going in the NFL. And it's exactly what Eric said. Not only is there a learning curve going in the NFL, but there's a learning curve going into an offense, an offensive system that puts the onus on their linemen to understand their job and their role. Can we at least agree on this? The options we have this year for every single one of these positions are much more appealing than the options we had last year. Oh, yeah. That's a fact. I mean... If our offensive line on day one is Fant playing next to Jalco, playing next to Britt, playing next to Abushi, playing next to Effetti, that's I I would feel very hopeful about that offensive line. Like, and if we run right with that offensive line, people are going to get murdered. Yeah, and like the left side will hold up because Jokel is smart and he knows what he's doing. Yep, and he can teach and he can he can bring the best out of the other players next to him. Same with Britt. I mean, I think the whole thing will lift each other up. I would say don't be scared. If they decide to throw Fant out there, it's because of the physical tools. They need. They feel like they need an athlete on the line. And Joko might still be injured. And then, yeah. as far as Joko goes, and that was one of your original questions, I'm starting to warm up to the idea that Joko will be the left guard all season. Not the left tackle, the left guard. I still hate that idea, but I, don't I like Fant's physical tools. I feel like that is just the way it's going to go, and I want to accept it now, so I'm not disappointed later. What Nathan named is the offensive line configuration that I would be going with. You would go with Fant? I would, no, no, no. Jokul, Glowinski, oh, you like Britt, Abushi, Afedi. I would and like some I of think... the other guard options before uh, Glowinski. 
I just I don't have much faith in Glowinski. I don't know. Maybe I'm just a, a Debbie Downer. Who else do I'm you have? Glo- I'm the Glowinski anti. Nathan has Jokel guard. Uh, Ethan, po- Ethan Posage. Uh, <laughs> to name one person that <laughs> okay. I would play before Glowinski. I could see Posage. Well, Posage might have higher upside. I don't. I think that you're a little further down than I'd be, but I understand your opinion on that. Nathan wants Cyril Grayson at left guard over Mike Glowinski. <laughs> uh, oh, what? Uh, but <laughs> what I'm trying to say though is, or where I'm getting. I like this configuration that does put a Fetty out at tackle. We talked about this a little bit when we did our preview of the offensive line, but some people are just better playing in certain spaces. This is a guy who played a lot of right tackle, and in college when they moved him from right tackle to left tackle, they talked about how he didn't really transition that well. And so I could believe in the NFL moving him to guard instead of playing him at right tackle Again, it might be difficult for him. It, you know, the way that you stand, the way you shift your body, the way you use your hands at tackle and on the outside is different. The way you have to read a player on the outside. Not to mention, maybe he's used to being mauling and physically dominant uh, to defensive ends, which are going to be smaller than he is, as opposed to these tackles that can kind of match power for power. Yeah. Good point, I mean, Kevin. Yeah. I don't know. It's I like I just like that we have legitimate options this year. It's it isn't not, just a dumpster fire. It's not yeah. just like guy. It's a bunch of guys that could be decent. You know, there's like there's like things happening, and that is good. Yeah. So, gentlemen, remember last year at this time we were talking about Jamarcus Webb, Jamarcus Webb, and Bradley Soul. Those were the things we had to talk about. And I, I mean, would it, still be going for Jamarcus Russell over Jamarcus Webb. Just saying, Jamarcus Russell, offensive nice. tackle hey, size. He's a he's a bigger he's he, a bigger body. He doesn't even watch the game plan. All Wide right. body. So speaking of the improved. Uh, you know, run game. Russell Wilson, he's second in the league with play with a uh, play action and twenty second in the league without it, according to Pro Football Focus. His completion percentage goes from completion percentage goes from sixty two to seventy three. He gets two point three more yards per attempt, and his pass rating goes up by almost forty points. The Seahawks are one of the, and I've said this for years, the best play action teams in the league. The return of the run game will bring the return of play action. Yep, and that is the key. If we can get back to great play action and running the read option, which almost left the playbook entirely for a big section of last year, the read option is the most important play in the Seahawks playbook. And uh, if you want to know why, subscribe to Patreon, patreon.com. Or watch the but, Buffalo game But just watch, just watch any Seahawks film and, you know, watch the way Russell hides the ball. He pulls it back at the last second or makes a good choice. And then that always causes problems for defenses. Always. It's, it's so hard to defend because you have to have... He, if Russell Wilson's going to get one on one with a middle linebacker and in space, he's going to burn him. Like it's over. Yep. That's rest in peace. So that's, I mean, that's why it's so important that we have good play action and, and good action on the uh, in the run game. Uh, Seahawks. I'm going to quabble with this. This is my last piece of Seahawks news. Seahawks rank or NFL rank top 100. Cam Chancellor came in at number 34. Bobby Wagner came in at number 39. I have a pretty strong opinion about this. I think that those numbers should almost certainly be switched and that Bobby is much more important to our de- what our defense is trying to do just and in- how good he is than almost any other any non-Earl player. Uh, so I know, Eric, you're a big Cam Chancellor fan. So what do you think? I mean, they're really close in rank, and I honestly love them both. I'm not trying to say Cam bad, Earl good. Or, or, sorry, not Earl Good. Earl, Earl's the best. He's Jesus. Uh, <laughs> Bob, Cam Bad, Bobby Good. I'm saying Cam Good, Bobby even b- better. Well, make no mistake. I, I do love Cam, but it's it's the position. 
Like, I love the safety position. The safety position, there are some safeties who hang back and wait to, you know, help their cornerback brother out and maybe make an interception, maybe, you know, disrupt a play. The strong safety is the enforcer on the team. This is the person that destroys other human beings on the field. And I'm sorry, it's a gladiator part of the game. I do like some violence in my football. I do not want anyone getting seriously hurt. But big hits are awesome. I loved Kenny Easley as a kid. I loved Ken Hamlin in my 20s for the two seasons he played here before Stop Sign took him out. <clears throat> Cam Chancellor is awesome. And Cam plays a, a different type of strong safety for us. We've already talked about how great Earl is. But yes, I agree with you 100%, Nathan. These numbers should be switched. And frankly, if we put Cam at what? You said Bobby Wagner was 39? Yep. If you put Cam at 39, hey, that's his number, uh, I feel like that... He's 31. Know, is, Cam is 31. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, you're right. Um, I feel like 39 is... I don't know. Is that... seems a little high, maybe, for Cam. I think that Cam's number is inflated a little bit because other players, and players were the ones that voted, do not like being hit by him. And yes. I cannot blame them. Yeah. <laughs> he is a heavy, heavy hitter. I would not like to be hit by him either. He's, he's like the best hitter I've ever seen. Him, yeah. well, I'm sorry. Earl is the best hitter. But Cam... Is bigger. Earl Earl's a great at like closing out plays and stuff, but like the way that Cam hits is when is, Cam hits you, he leaves his jersey number imprinted on your forehead. Here's the thing: it's like not, he marks you. It's not one of those old school hits, like those Ronnie Lott hits that are illegal. He now he hits people in legal ways that are just so absurdly violent, and he gets flagged for him because they're so violent. The yeah. first year and a half, he got flagged a lot. You'll notice that doesn't happen quite as much anymore. Yeah. They had to like basically have rules for him and a handful of other players that have these incredibly hard legal hits. Powerful legal hits, yeah. You look at Goodnight Vernon Davis. That's a legal hit. That is. flag for it. Mm -hmm. Kevin, how do you feel about this? Do you you agree with my take that maybe uh, Bobby should be just a little higher than Cam? They both should be ranked top 50. I totally agree with that, but... Is Cam Chancellor one of the three best safeties in all of football? It's hard for me to say. Like, I I say no, but I mean, I value safety. He does something different than most safeties, and that's he does. The, that's the thing. He's perfect for us. He's hard to evaluate for that reason. He's hard to evaluate in a vacuum because, like, if he went to the Ravens and had to play with Eric Weddle, like, I don't know if he'd be quite as good. He probably wouldn't be quite as good. He's perfect for what we need. We need someone to be in the box, enforce make big hits, and make tight ends miserable so that they don't want to throw at them. Yep. Uh, that, and that's what Cam does. Uh, he's, he's a perfect match with Earl, who is not like the most physical player, but he can cover a ton of space and affects every single play. Yes. Uh, so that they're, they're perfect complements to each other. I would argue that Earl's an incredibly physical player, but he's not as imposing. I would agree with what you're he, saying there. I mean, he's just not a... like Earl. Earl's the kind of guy, he'll slow a guy down so we can gang tackle him. And not actually finish a ton. So there's fact tackles that he well, doesn't finish sometimes. The big thing is we don't want Earl hitting that hard. We've seen Earl hit that hard, but Earl will kill himself trying to make that kind of hit all the time. Like oh, he's yeah. got he's hurt himself the the few times he's hurt himself, it's when he goes to put a punishment on somebody and he puts his body in there. He's not afraid to do it. But I think the coaching staff and definitely the fans have voiced their opinion about wanting him to hey you know 
cool it. We'd like you to have you all 16 don't, games. I, don't die, Earl. I think Earl should be the highest ranked defensive player on this list. I mean, like, that's how high I am on Earl Thomas, how important I think he is and how unique I think he fits in the NFL. The only other guy I could say putting higher is J.J. Watt. And J.J. Watt was hurt all last year. So you know what? Don't put him at the uh, J.J. Watt got mad that he's ranked as high as he is. Yeah, he came out with a statement about that. But I think I would rank Bobby higher because, um, and I'll pose the question to you. Is Bobby a top three inside linebacker to me, hands down? Absolutely. Bobby is number one or number two yep. for me. And, and you know Keekly is going to be way further up the list, here's and a, that's a joke. Here's a unique uh, Bobby Wagner stat. You ready for this? He had most pressures of any inside linebacker in 2016, which is interesting because all the other guys on the list of highest inside linebacker pressures, three, oh, four? they play in a 3-4. Yep. Yeah, he's he plays in a 4-3. And I think a lot of people take this for granted is that Linebackers in a four three harder to get sacks. Uh, linebackers in a four three just it's just harder to get pressures. It's harder to affect the quarterback because there's a lot of times in a four three when you're playing a linebacker you drop back into coverage or you fill gaps. You and he had four and a half sacks. That's a lot. Yeah, you you don't get to you don't get to just pin your ears back and rush the passer like the outside linebackers in a three four or even sometimes the inside linebackers because you know they disguised they disguise the blitz and they blitz from the inside. You know that's what happens in a three four. Uh, that doesn't ever. That's not the way a four three works. So, it's, Bobby is it's very efficiency impressive. incarnated. Yep. Earl Thomas is a big play walking. Uh, Camp Chancellor is uh, Godzilla, the essence of uh, the threat over the middle. Bobby Wagner is efficiency. He is the personification of it. You know, you talked about that pressure number. He he very rarely gets sent on a blitz. And he either gets home or affects the play basically every time. He, he knows that because he knows that he's leaving a gap behind him and he does not want to get beat in the area he left. You can tell. Yep. He just does not, he does not want to let the defense down. And when you blitz and you don't get pressure, that is a big letdown for the defense because it's hard to defend man out there when the, when they're blitzing. That's a fact. So he, he understands the gravity. It's kind of like when you play baseball and you know, you got the, uh, the runners going and you're swinging, you know, and you, if you, if you line that out or fly out, you know, it's just such a letdown. You know, it's like, yeah, you really let the team down. So he knows it's, he's got to get that. Um, yeah. All right. Good talk. I felt like that was an interesting conversation. <laughs> I feel like we, uh, we actually talked about something that mattered in a week where not much interesting news. Oh, we have one fan you know, question to answer. Well, wait, there's two more stories. All right. I wanted to like kind of build a mountain. So that was the top of the mountain. Now we're going to come down the mountain. Seahawks cut Tremaine Pope and Speedy Noyle. So, uh, two, two guys we have talked about in recent weeks as guys who were fringe roster candidates definitely bubble uh they i would say pope we clearly had us out and uh noyle we said was uh, a sleeper to go on the practice squad uh both both are now out though officially we signed two defensive backs who will never make the team so don't worry about it but if you love the story of tromaine pope um let's hope that it gets to continue on another team that doesn't uh, have nine running backs Speedy Noyle, i assume is just a head case and we couldn't get through to him that's that's my assumption um, the other one, Eric, this one's for you. What did you think of the Seahawks' new helmets? What? There. There what, you go. What, like, am I, what am I missing? What's new? Oh, wait. Never mind. That's just the 96 on the back. <laughs> I lied. I was going to say, I did not hear it. Oh, wait. No, no. They're from the front. It's from the front. They look different. Wait. I got to find I was a picture. Say, this is... There we go. What do you think of that? Um, not much difference. Well, like the hell, the holes right there, the lines. That's the way it's like looks like it's a bucket on someone's head. I was gonna say that's just a new helmet. Looks like not a blaster a helmet from Star Wars. Yeah, no, it's not a new design, but it's a new like the helmet looks totally different. Yeah, it's if it, as long as it keeps people alive longer, I'm all right with it. Don't mess with the helmets too much. I still want my players to look cool. 
Uh, but yeah, it looks kind of like a Darth Helmet from Star Wars. It does. Some it looks space too balls. big. Yeah. It weirds me out. Well, it's also on Doug. And Doug's not huge. No, but that helmet is. <laughs> uh, it's you making know, all of our players look like Wes Walker. I want to see that. I want to see that helmet on like uh, Jaron Reed. All right, here, here, here's some, give me a better idea. Here's some pictures from OTAs. Let me uh, pull them up. Um, there's from multiple angles. There you go. Boom. Uh, boom. Yeah, yeah. We're everybody Schwartz is bigger yeah, than a, anyone else. That's a else's. pretty big. That's a pretty big helmet. It's weird, right? That's really yeah. That's crazy. That was what I was talking about. Like I mean, like it. I don't. It's, it's I the don't, same design, but it looks different. It looks like uh when if you ever watched like Pee Wee, like Pop Warner football, when you see like a nine year old put a football helmet on, and you're like, your helmet is clearly the biggest thing on. A little bit, yeah. It's, it's, it's a, a little, little bit, bit like little that. Bit. Uh, you, what about the other, uh, the huge piece of news, Nathan, that you're clearly glossing over? All right. Uh, wait, the other's another huge piece of Seahawks news? What is it? We signed a quarterback who is oh, not calling yeah, Kaepernick. I, well, I, I thought saved, you were going to make a I joke. Saved I was that, forward I saved to that it. for the bottom of the mountain, Eric. <laughs> we signed Gina Davis's cousin. Is he really Gina Davis's cousin? <laughs> I have no clue. Oh. Austin Davis. <laughs> Given it both of us. It was, just, like, really? It was really this, good. This is here's, a great this Here's is a my great opinion. Sign. We'll be doing Thelma and Louise on Movie Club later in honor. <laughs> <laughs> here's my opinion on this, okay? Uh, if Kaepernick really was willing to sign for anything close to the veteran minimum, uh, we made a mistake uh, because that there's no reason that we should do that. That being said, it's a quality Austin backup. Davis is a decent backup. His best career game is against the Seahawks, so I'm sure... So we took him off the board. So I'm sure that Pete remembered that, because it seems like Pete sometimes signs guys <laughs> that he remembers he went against. That's true. Uh, so, yep, that's how I feel about Austin Davis. Do we know what how much uh, he's getting paid? Veteran minimum. Veteran minimum. 750k, I think, right? Yeah, it's and something for, like that. For a Kaepernick, his veteran minimum would have been close to two? The rumors are that we were... We, the number to get him to come here was about 900,000, so... It's not that much. It's, there's what? no there's no difference between it, really. Here's the thing about Kaepernick, and this might close the book because we shouldn't really talk about it more. He would only be here for one year. And do you think he's going to play at all? No. I'd hope not. I hope not. That would be the I goal. Mean, here's the thing. But Last the- year, Boykin probably would have done better in it. I'm sorry. I'm not going to say probably. Would have done better in game two or game three of the season than Russell Wilson because Russ could not move. He could barely stand. He couldn't move at all. He was taking sack after sack. He looked awful. But he didn't want to come off the field because he wanted to prove a point. Like he, he wanted to be that leader. And, you know, we could not run play action. We couldn't run bootlegs. We couldn't do anything. So no zone read. Yeah, exactly. So and we talked about that all last year. We can't do the zone read because Russell Wilson is clearly hurt. Do you think Russ is going to, you know, sit for Colin Kaepernick? No. So I just don't – I feel like this was this was something where the Seahawks, like Pete Carroll wanted to meet – Colin Kaepernick, he said that, oh, you know, we want to meet with this guy. We want to see what's in his head, what's he's, what he's all about. But I just, realistically, he could not sign here and and do anything. He was not going to sign here. I, I liked the idea of having the best backup in the league. You know, it's always appealing, especially if he's going to play for basically no money. But at the end of the day, the Seahawks didn't decide it wasn't the best move for them, and that's what happened. And I'm not, I'm completely over it already. I don't need to talk about it ever again. It's, uh, it's like I think it's the wrong move, but I just it doesn't matter. At I'd like to day, talk briefly about the person we got. All right, he's uh, very average. He is a McCown level backup, and uh, that's not a bad thing to have. He's worse than that. He was bad last year on the Browns, like really bad. Like 
Like, really bad. Did you see the Browns last year? They had one good wide the receiver. The Browns were bad last year on the Browns. The, but the only thing that was bad about the Browns <laughs> is the, their argument. best wide receiver was also their best quarterback. And he couldn't, and he couldn't play both positions. <laughs> Terrell Pryor. But God knows ch- he tried. Terrell Pryor had to choose one or the other. You know, for a really not very good St. Louis team, he was a very functional co- quarterback. He's the kind of guy who can come in. If you had to come in for a four game stretch, he could go two and two. He's, he's in that Tavares Jackson level of you don't want him to start, right. but, but we he's fine as a backup. I think so, we could have had a guy that was slightly above that is the problem for me. I think that if we could have had him, we probably would have him. I think they wanted some guaranteed levels of seeing the field. I think that he wants a shot at being a starter in the NFL again. And I don't think, I think that was probably the hang up. All right. So there we go. That's it. Je- the Jeremy. question? NFL news. Question. We had a question. Oh, we have a question. Hit me. Yep. Question on Twitter was if Clark and Averill switch sides, so if Clark was rushing against the right tackle and Averill against the left tackle, um, how drastically do you believe that would affect their numbers? Which guy gets to rush on the side that has Michael Bennett playing defensive tackle? <laughs> I mean, to be honest, like that's my answer to that question. Uh, I think McDowell will be great on p- pass downs this year, and it might not matter as much. Uh, the four guys we're going to put in front of uh, defensive lines this year are a literal nightmare. Uh, it's it's the stuff that nightmares are made of for opposing offensive coordinators. There are going to be a lot of half sacks. And uh, you know what? I I don't know. Cliff's great. I, the other thing about Cliff is, is he never gives up on the play and he finishes the job. So I don't think it matters what side he's on. Like Cliff get Cliff gets a lot of the sacks that are like, Oh, uh, that th- there's good coverage and there's good coverage and all that uh, clip never gave up on the play and he got the sack. You know what I mean? Right. He also makes great moves too. Like he does both. He's the best of both worlds, but I, I think cliff, no matter what side he ends up on, would probably end up with a few more sacks. So cliff had 11 and a half. Clark had 10 last mm-hmm. year. Just and they played more. pretty yeah. similar numbers. And I think that is the story. That's it. I, I think what, what Nate said is pretty much the truth here. And that is, the reason why you're not going to play Clark on uh, the right as opposed to the left is that um, Clark is bigger. Clark holds up better in the run. Yep. He offers a different skill set. And I think what you said is very telling, and that is if we have McDowell and Bennett in the middle and these two guys on the outside, like ev- you're going to start seeing like two or three guys in on every sack because people are just going to get wrecked. <laughs> but I don't. I, I think that you're very much right. It doesn't really matter because whichever one you put on the left or the right, they're probably getting isolation blocked a lot, and both of them can beat a single man routinely. Uh-huh. They are of similar caliber as pass rushers. The reason why, like for instance, I'm a little higher on Clark than I am on April is because Clark is a more versatile player, and therefore he brings a little bit more to the table. Um, because he does hold up better. He's, he's a four down defensive end. Right. Clark could play on every down and Averill is a, is a high motor pass rusher. That's, I mean, he is, and he is what he is and he's great at it. Yep. And you know, very, very good player. And I love having him on the team and the discount he gave us makes just, he, he discounted his way into our hearts. I I think the (laughs) thing I like about Cliff Averill too is that he has like a a really kind of specific skill set and he's just awesome at that skill set and he's just perfected the craft. You know what I mean? He's like said, you know what, I'm just gonna perfect what I do. And it's it's kinda awesome. Um all right. 
He's uh, what people thought Grant Winston was. Hey, Warren Moon agrees with that article, Kevin. The Seahawks haven't gotten over their loss to the Patriots. Warren Moon's drunk. Yeah, okay. All Sorry, right. I shouldn't have said that. Let's get let's get to the real NFL news. All right. Uh, <laughs> and I'm, not that everything we said up to now wasn't real NFL news. Just that Warren Moon, Moon story wasn't. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Kansas City Chiefs, they released Jeremy Macklin. Yeah. It was kind of a surprise, but Macklin's been hurt and he makes a lot of money. He's also their best receiver. Uh, I would argue that he's not, but Tyree Kill's not a wide receiver. It makes it makes okay. sense though. Like like Nathan said, he has missed a lot of time. He does make a lot of money. What team's gonna pick him up? Well, the Jets are cutting everybody else. Maybe they'll do it. Yeah, yeah. Jets are out on Eric Decker. So if we're if we're switching uh, to not as good receivers in on terrible teams, the Jets don't need any wide receivers. They don't have a quarterback. Well, well, they're not going to thro- throw or yeah. run. But Macklin can run win. really fast. Willie Joe uh, Namath available. You know, I don't know, Macklin. What's a team that doesn't have a deep threat but has a lot of uh, big body receivers? Eagles. I was going to say Philadelphia. It's a perfect fit for the Eagles. It's weird because it's the team he was already on, but I think he's going to end think, up back on the Eagles. I think Eagles. he wouldn't mind going back there now nope. that Chip Kelly's not there. Yeah, there's no bad blood except for the Chip Kelly stuff, so I don't see why he wouldn't go back. Um, yeah, so I think Macklin will end up back on the Eagles, which I is kind of I just hope funny. he doesn't end up on New England because that's gross. Okay, guys, biggest news of the week overall. Bar scuffle involving Rex and Rob Ryan. Did you see it? What? No. Okay, I'm ready to make your week. Here we go. What Hooters was this at? Look at this. Look at this. Ryan Brothers. Just look at it. Look at it. He's choking a guy. Rob Ryan's choking a guy. Rex Ryan. <laughs> it's from someone's Snapchat. It says, Rob and Rex Ryan just fighting dudes. One, the Lap Band of Brothers thing did not work out. These guys are fatter than ever. <laughs> That's true. yeah. There's a shocker. And two, Rob Ryan legit is choking a dude in this video. And the dude is literally like, kind of like, why, why are you choking me? Well, I mean, if there's any coaches in the NFL that know how to choke something away, it's the Ryan brothers. Ooh, yay, Kevin! Hey, but I found this. Kevin pic- wins. Hey, yay. we found this picture of them leaving the incident. Oh, that's the only exercising that you ever see them do. It's, it's on a Ryan brothers bicycle. on a tandem bike. For the listener, it's them on a tandem bicycle. Uh, just, uh, just for you fellas in this room, that's my fantasy football profile pick for the year. Uh, I'm sorry because it's really mean to say this, but every time I see. Rob Ryan, it immediately makes me think of the clown from the live action uh, version of uh, um, oh, the I comic think, the comic book movie. I just think um, he looks like Spawn, alter- the live action Spawn. I just think he looks like <laughs> alternate universe, uh, like Big Lebowski, and like we just said the same thing. Okay, yeah. uh, <laughs> all right, Jeffrey Lebowski with a lot of money that he spent on the wings. Um, the rest of the news this. Uh, this week is uh, just the Jets are cutting everybody because they apparently don't like players. And I just want to say there's this undertone in all the press releases that Todd Bowles is super pissed because well, they keep be. cutting players and like he keeps having to do the they. I mean, we decided. <laughs> He's, I think Todd Bowles is a very good coach who is not giving any measurement to succeed, and it's it's really sad. And I, I hope he goes somewhere and has a lot of success because the Jets are not giving him what he needs. I agree. Um, there, I mean, there's like a bunch of small moves. Like the Jets traded Calvin Pryor to the Browns. Uh, the, there's a bunch of like offensive linemen hanging out with their quarterbacks, or in the case of Cam Newton, offensive linemen making fun of the fact that they're not hanging out with their quarterbacks. That's my favorite NFL <laughs> non-story of the week. Uh, <laughs> that did you watch that? Yeah, it was funny. It's very funny. If you haven't watched that, ladies and gentlemen at home, you should uh, you should look for. Uh, the video of uh, what's that title on there? It's just like um, Cam Newton celebrates a birthday, and then like 
offensive line says they're or celebrates not being with Cam Newton for his birthday. Yeah, NFL. Like uh, uh, what is it? Panthers offensive line celebrates not being with Cam Newton for his birthday. <laughs> I mean, good, the, it's good. Are the Jets the first team ever to try to tank in the NFL? I was going to ask Kevin without going too deep. Is there some can't miss prospect to go number one next year? No, but the Jets are. Though that makes perfect sense for the Jets. I mean, they would say like I don't know. Josh Rosen is a big time quarterback. He's going to be coming out probably. Um, the, the kid from kid. USC, Oklahoma kid. Uh, no, Baker Mayfield's uh coming out of a spread system. And he's not like a real NFL guy. Uh, Sam Darnold from USC Ooh. or Josh Rosen from UCLA are probably the two big NFL ready guys. Maybe yeah, if Sam, you think Lamar Jackson out of Louisville, Sam but, Darnold is number one on the uh, on the list of quarterbacks I'm looking at. Uh, which... Josh Allen out of Wyoming, Gun Slanger. All right, man. Gunslinger. People really don't like Baker Mayfield. I First just like, name Gunner, I like last watching name him. Slinger. I like watching Baker Mayfield throw the ball around, man. Baker Mayfield also Gunslinger. I, I kind of like him, man. I just something about him. Just I don't know. All right, Dude, have you ever? Uh, <laughs> wait, wait. My favorite Baker Mayfield thing. Have you ever read the? Uh, there was an article about how he became a co-ed sport because he was a he was a walk on and transferred and had to yeah, sit yeah, out yeah. here. So he played every co-ed sport the year he sat out and became like an urban legend on the Oklahoma campus. Oh, like, like he like he won every intramural athletics uh, just like competition. A super ringer. Oh man, super ringer. He won the uh, the flag football competition, ultimate frisbee. He was the point guard and highest scorer for the uh, it, for the intramural basketball game. It's just the funniest thing. It made me like him so much. All right, well uh, that's it for uh, news around Seahawks in the NFL. If you have something you want to tell us, uh, hit us up on Twitter at Seahawks Nest. Also hit us on Facebook, uh, facebook.com slash the Seahawks Nest. And uh, you can also give us your money directly by heading to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest. Uh, I got a nice uh, PayPal notification that I got $19 for last month. So thank you to all our supporters. Uh, you guys are awesome. Also, thank you to everyone who shot us a message this week. John, Jamie, Augustine, Kim. Travis, Michelle, Chad, and Zach, like everyone, we're, we know you're out there. We know you're listening. Uh, like, uh, keep it going. The momentum is strong. I'm going to name our fans now. They're the, officially the 300 after Eric's least favorite movie. Uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. That movie is, that movie is just like a beautiful abs, the movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just want to get shredded like that once in my life. I'm watching the DVD extras every time I think about working out and then I watch it and I don't want to work out anymore. I'm every time I think about Brian. That's what he's gonna look like in two weeks. Yeah, our friend Brian, our friend Brian, always jokes about how how quickly he's going to get ripped. He's like, "I'll get ripped in three days," and we're like, "What?" He's like, "Yeah, three. I mean, three weeks. Three weeks, I'll be ripped like that." And we're like, "Okay, whatever, man." And then three weeks the, later, he asked me like three more weeks. Yeah, and he's like, three weeks later, he's gone to the gym two times. <laughs> <laughs> he's not gonna listen to this, so I can just go ahead and dig in there. Yeah, because uh, that would have stopped us. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. All right. So uh, that's that's all that stuff. Uh, let's get to the the nonsense section of the podcast. The last fifteen minutes here, where I we talk about a movie and we kind of Todd Bowles does right break there. it Did down. So here's here's what I, <laughs> I I thought I thought it'd be fun. I thought it'd be really fun if for this segment today we talked about a movie that I hadn't seen but hate. <laughs> Fair. You guys have seen and probably think it's okay. And I'm going to tell you my opinion on it. You tell me yours. And I want to talk about. Star Wars Episode Three: oh, uh, wow. The Revenge of the Sith. You are going a little deep. Okay, so here's the deal. 
Okay, think I'm going to let you guys in. I'm going to. Can back. we talk about George Fant playing left tackle instead? <laughs> background, background <laughs> I need time. Something better. Background time. Okay, uh, I was 12 years old, 13 years old. Star Wars Episode One comes out. I am very excited. My dad has raised me as a any kind of respectable nerd. I'm actually hanging out with Kevin. I think me and Kevin actually saw this movie together. We saw this together in uh, theaters. My dad took us to see it at this really kind of janky theater in South Center, outside the South Center Mall. Uh, it was like over in the back where the Bahama Breeze is now. And there was like that oh, janky theater. You remember that? I, no, I thought we saw it at the I Lewis s- and Clark on C. Uh, 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 no, we saw it at that 99. theater. I have a specific memory. Okay, so we go to this kind of janky theater, but they had big screens at the theater. That's so why my dad wanted to go there. They had that bigger screen. Okay, so we're which really. Is, which is a very John really line of logic. We're really excited about seeing it. We're like, oh yeah, this is going to be cool. We're going to see it. We go to see the movie, and even 13 year old me was like, that was thoroughly just. Not what I wanted. Well, we'd marathon the original trilogy the weekend before. Right. We did it proper. Yeah, we were ready, and like it, I was like, we got crappy pizza. Like, we watched them all. I was like, at the crappy end, baseball. At the end of the movie, talking to Kevin, and he would be like, "Yeah, I, the, the 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 sword fights were cool." Like, but if that's what the best thing you could say about a movie like that, like if I want action, my I was raised on a healthy diet of kung fu and action movies. So if like all you can give me is the action, it's got to be pretty sweet. And I'll say, even the action in Star Wars doesn't really live up to the action of something like Once Upon a Time in China or Master of the Flying Guillotine. Just the over-the-topness. So even 12-year-old me was like, I'm not so sure, sure about this, y'all. <laughs> like, I, I've seen these, I've seen some pretty cool action sequences in my life. So I decided right then, I'm not going to watch any of these, or these Star Wars prequels. So I've never seen 13? episode two. I have never seen episode three. Now I know. Eric, you've seen these, and I'm pretty sure Kevin has seen episode three. I don't know about episode two. I, I hope you dodge that bullet. Uh, but everyone says episode three is pretty good. And here's my, I always say back to them. They say it's not that bad. It's pretty good. And what I say is you were locked in the room with those other two movies, and then you saw that movie, and you thought, hey, this isn't so bad, so I think this is good. Am I crazy, or was is episode three actually not that bad of a movie? Should I? Uh, I also have a long backstory on this. So, would you like to space out the? Backstory? Yeah, I'll, I'll space it out. Okay. okay, I think you have that exactly right. Part of it is compared to the other two movies. Yeah, it's better. But is it better because you're tired of feeling down about yourself and you just want the ass whooping to be over? Like your childhood, just just finish murdering it. It's it's all over. It. This is why it's better because it's through. Uh, I feel like. The prequel Star Wars movies, like episode one is, okay, so Star Wars is an apple fritter, because I love apple fritters. And episode one is someone dropped this apple fritter in a downtown Seattle alleyway, and you have to eat it. After a fresh rain. Yeah, or no, no, like hot summer. It's just even terrible. And you have to eat it, and you're like, this, is, this isn't good at all. I don't like it. Episode two is... uh a Seattle alleyway with some rain. It's it's a little better. I think it's, that's worse than River of Piss. That's I'd say there's rivers of piss there anyway, Kevin. <laughs> and then uh, we're but, getting deep on this alleyway analysis. Yeah, so that's my and mistake. then uh, episode three is like a uh, Seattle City street, <laughs> the apple fritter. It it's just still the, it bad. Just hit the sidewalk, but you're like, oh, there's okay. there's still a little pee on it. But ultimately, you're just glad that this is the Maybe last. Eat the top half. The last dropped apple fritter that you have to eat. Um, I don't know, man. Like, 
it's a, it's bad. It's I have a still continu- bad. I have a continuation of this. So, Kevin, uh, just give me your uh, qu- quick take. I know you watched it way after the fact, right? So what happened was um, we walked out of that theater, and I, I dare say Nathan and I made a pact that we were not going to drag the other one of us to see the next movie. And was this immediately, by the way, guys? This was on the way out I, of the theater. I'm pretty sure I decided on the car at home. I was like, I don't think I like that movie. Uh, like I said something like that. Like by the time I got to my house and I was able to compare notes with my brother, uh, I know for a fact Nate and I had confirmed that we were not interested in episode okay. two. I um, remember thinking the pod racing was fun, but didn't have any point. Like I was like, that was, was cool, wedged in, yeah. But like, why was why was it in the movie? That's what I thought. That's uh, we agreed there were cool scenes, but there was not a cool movie. But uh, so fast forward over a decade later, I didn't watch episode two until I watched it with my son um, because he was really into it. And I was watching the kids for a day. And so uh, it was on. He he wanted to put it on and I wasn't willing to crush his spirit. So it's episode two worse than episode one. Yes. Okay. The dialogue is worse, directly okay. worse. Okay, and then episode three, you, did you watch that subsequently? I watched parts of episode three. I've never sat and watched <laughs> oh, there, it. So you, you also... I, I couldn't. I couldn't. Episode two was like watching a slow motion train wreck if all the train cars were carrying raw sewage. Okay, sounds awful. Uh, this is my next part. Okay. We all agree the prequel trilogy is probably the three worst Star Wars movies of the seven. Yeah. Okay. Sure. Yeah. Here's my question for you. I want to stir up controversy. Okay. I'm sure I'm already stirring up controversy because I bet you there's some Jacob Siroff style prequel lover in this group, in our group of fans that's going to come at me for this. And I say, okay, that's fine. Everyone has an opinion and you're, you're allowed to have one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just sharing mine on this medium that I have. Uh, the, the thing is, where do the other four movies rank? For you. Okay? That's including the new one. Are we saying... Are we saying Do you want to include Rogue One? Or are we going to throw it out? Because I think Rogue One... Rogue One... There's a legitimate argument to make that Rogue One is better than Return. I think we should include Rogue One because it takes place within the universe. I think it's worth it. Okay. Then do we include the Star Wars Holiday Special? No. (laughs) Nor do we include the standalone made-for-TV Ewok movies. Even though Eric desperately wants to. Okay. Uh, then, the, yeah, the, the Star Wars Christmas special is a classic. Okay, Chewbacca needs to get home to his family. It the dialogue was better than Episode Two. Okay. Anyway, uh, let's <laughs> also more B. Arthur than any other Star Wars. <laughs> okay. So let's, I thought that was Emperor Palpatine. Would you guys like to start at the bottom or the top? Then let's make our definitive Seahawks bottom. rankings. All right. Bottom. So fifth of the fifth of the five great Star Wars movies, and I would argue all these movies are good to great. All right. None of these movies are bad. Fifth. All right. So Kevin. Do you number feel five. do you feel strongly what do you feel strong about number 5? My number 5 is Return. Okay, and now are we all, we got to come to a consensus. This is our list. Oh, okay. So, let's and hash it out. Return. My are you argument ready? for number 5 being Return is that New Hope sets up Empire and we know Empire is going to be way up on top of the list. So, without New Hope doing its setup, <laughs> Empire's payoff is not there. So, I put Return below New Hope. Yeah, Return it's the, okay, the Ewoks I'm, are stupid. We're, I'm going to make the argument for Rogue One being the fifth movie. Uh, and I just think Rogue One is good, but there is like, in this movie, it's put together in such a way that there's like a really good movie in this movie, but I'm not sure any of the characters end up fleshed out enough or I care enough about any of the characters at the end of the movie, except for like the two Asian guys that like, I really, I have a hard time like really putting it at the 
anywhere above any of these other movies. Like I felt so uninvested with the characters, and when they all died at the end, I was like, oh, and that's how they got the plans for the Death Star. Spoilers. Like that's really like spoilers for a four-year-old <laughs> movie. Yeah, uh, I really kind of that's kind of how I felt at the end of Rogue One, and I I don't know, like I. It felt like there was a really good movie in there, but I'm not sure they got it all the way out. Like it's for me, it's like a seven out of ten, and and so is so, honestly, so is Return. That's the thing. <laughs> Return stands so hard on the shoulders of its two predecessors, whereas I don't feel like Rogue One has shoulders to stand on. It's not really piggybacking. I mean, financially, it piggybacked on uh, Episode uh, Eight, but. Uh, I, I gotta say no. Wise, it didn't. Jedi's gotta go fifth because it's. Here's the thing. It's got some take, great scenes. I'll take Rogue One, four, and Return five. I think we can all yeah. Agree those to that. those are the two that they're ranked fourth and fifth for me. Okay. Uh, clearly, I, I'm not gonna make the argument for Return over either a New Hope or uh, the episode. Well, then let's seven. just say that's four and five because I don't. We don't need to go any more into Rogue One. I I liked it a can lot. We more tie than them you. for fourth. No, no. Jedi fifth. It had some great resolution in there, but it also had terrible dialogue. Okay. Uh, you know what? I'll the be honest one, with you. I would have argued harder for Jedi Fourth, but when they put Hayden Christensen in the Sky Vader scene, that bumped it down to five. <laughs> George Lucas, you ruined everything. All right. So, so, so Jedi is fifth. Rogue One is fourth. Now we come to our next big debate, because I'm going to guess every single one of us is going to put Empire first. Okay. We're all in agreement on that? Yes. Yes. Okay. So we're all in agreement. Empire's the best. So number two and number three. The big argument. Do you think that A New Hope is better than Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens? I'm going to say A New Hope is third. Because even though, yes, it's the original, it sets everything up. <laughs> everything about that movie, with the exception of a few effects that stand up and the costume designs, is really, really bad. I watched oh, this wow. recently. I watched New Hope recently too, and I had a very different opinion. So like, okay. fun. agree, hundred percent. Okay, so so a farm kid who is dressed like a total goofball meets this cloaked old man in the desert. I mean, if you like, break it, you can break down. Just, you can break I could down do that any with movie. Every movie. I know that. Come I don't on, care man. about every movie. I'm talking about these movies, and honestly, I feel it's not bad. I'm just saying, like the the scenes that made me cringe. Cringed harder. Cringed harder. harder. Okay, here's the thing I love about Star Wars, uh, A New Hope. Okay, is that the, the, like this, there's individual sequences in that movie that are just perfect. And like, like the, like the sequence of the sword, the lightsaber fight between Obi-Wan Kenobi and Darth Vader. That sequence, like the, the pacing and the drama that they build up in it, it's not, it's not like the, what they try to do in episode one, episode two, where like, we're going to do some backflip crazy stuff. It's just all about like these two guys. They know what they got. They're old, grizzled war vet buddies, you know, or whatever. They're, they're sword fighting and, and then Obi-Wan just, you know, gives himself up, becomes a force ghost, you know, like that. I don't know. There's just something like really like kind of, it's, it's not, it's paced like a Western, you know, it's paced slowly, like it's a slow burn and everything's like building and building and building to the, Death Star getting blown up at the end. It's like it's like a crescendo, you know. There's a big, it's a standoff at the end, almost, you know, like a standoff against a space moon. But <laughs> that's, that's no, no moon. moon. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a sucker for an ensemble cast. I've said it many times. A New Hope 
introduces each character so lovingly. So, it, A New Hope introduces characters very, very yeah, and well. And the OG cut, and like, where, gives you buy-in. where Han shoots first, like, that lets you, that lets you in on the character, like, right away, like, oh, this is a scoundrel. He's yeah. a real scoundrel. Like, he's, he's, he's a bad guy. Well, and everything happening on the Death Star leading up to the scene, and because the whole showdown between Vader and Obi-Wan, simultaneous to that, you have, the fallout of the sequence where they break out of the uh, garbage masher and you have, you know, Han Solo's infamous uh, head first run around the hallway and immediate return run back. Yes. And these iconic scenes that by the end of the first movie, because of the pacing, because of the way that it was done, because a lot of the dialogue, you know, there's some cheesy dialogue, but a lot of the dialogue is really well done. By the end of the first movie, you have a really good feeling about those characters. I just you like have an attachment. The you movie in, invests you into all of the characters. Yes. I feel like like I'm invested in Luke's story at the end of the first movie. And it's why the second movie is so good. I'm invested in what's happening with Leia. I'm invested in Han Solo, this scoundrel who now has shot Darth Vader's ship, kind of saved the day, and helped helped uh, them destroy the Death Star. You know, he's now like a redeemed anti-hero, you know, like in a, in an era when that hadn't been overdone yet. Here's the thing. I'll make the argument for, for the Force Awakens. I, I love the Force Awakens. I've watched it like 20 times since it came out. I'm not joking. It's like one of my like, I put this movie on when I want to do something else, like when I'm working on something and I'll just watch the Force Awakens. It's so good. Uh, it is a love letter to Star Wars. It is. And it performs that so admirably. But it is almost like looking in a mirror too much for me. Like it's too much of a reflection of the, of the original trilogy, and I understand why they felt like they had to do that because the the, the prequel trilogy is such trash that they were like, "Hey, we really need to kind of re- make everyone remember what they really loved about Star Wars," and that movie did it perfectly. Yeah, I remember exactly what I love about Star Wars now when I watch that movie, but. Here's the thing, just like you said this about every every movie besides Force Awakens and, and Empire, that it's a collection of cool scenes. You said that about the bad movies. You mm-hmm. said that about Star Wars, about A New Hope right there. I will say this. They introduced new characters in The Force Awakens that you cared about. Mm-hmm. Oh, I agree. Oh, I agree. Which was, yeah. and, this and is they, a tough and they debate stayed, for me. They stayed true to the original characters, which I liked. I'll say this about about... Episode 4, A New Hope. And Nathan, this is your fault. Because you you pointed out to me the original plot of Star Wars, the original renderings of Mr. George Lucas, our our Oh genius. yeah, I, t- I told you about all of his like horrible yes. things. And and I and I and I've I've he wanted, I've read up on it way since then. This was like a decade ago you talked he, to me about. He wanted it. Luke Skywalker or Obi-Wan Kenobi to be a head in a jar. I, I think Obi-Wan one. was a head in a yeah. jar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and it's here's the thing. If you watch A New Hope, and you just watch it standalone. You, you're not watching Empire after afterwards. You're not. You're not really waiting for the next one. It is clear after you see it that George Lucas had no idea where this was going. He says, "Oh yeah, yeah, I had a, I had a plot." Uh, no, no, you didn't. You didn't can, know that Luke and Leia were sister and brother. You had no idea, dude. I can believe that. I can believe that he wrapped it up in a. Uh, made it. He was like saying, "I'm going to make one movie here." 
and then he kind of like got roped into me or not roped into but he realized or he, or he had a trilogy more. lined up but like his original ideas someone came to him and said uh, no don't do that do this instead and then the prequels of course he had no one telling him that that's why they're so bad and this is all this and is all videos true. that show that part exactly so that's that's my argument so for me you cannot unhitch because Empire is the crescendo. It is the climax of A New Hope. And therefore, until December, I'm putting A New Hope above The Force Awakens. But show me what I get with Last Jedi. Last Jedi. And I'm willing to switch it. If the payoff is the same. If the payoff is a strong payoff, let me put it this way. If Last Jedi hits number two on this list, then Force Awakens, or number number one, then Force Awakens earns number three. But if it doesn't quite get there, I'm going to have to keep A New Hope above it. Right now, that's where I'm at. It is razor thin for me, too, because I've clearly stated I love TFA. I think A New Hope is just slightly better. It's just a classic. I will say this. The remastered vert. I have the uh, the original cuts of these movies. The original cuts on my computer, uh, fan made. Uh, it's kind of cobbled together footage from laser discs and things like that. Uh, because it's impossible to find the original versions of these movies. Because George Lucas just messed them up with a bunch of extra CGI bullshit and like put slapped them onto some DVDs to try to sell them. If you're talking about, I love the OG cut of New Hope. I will say that the. the Every cut that George Lucas did after that, he changed little things that made it worse. The, yes. Han, the Han shooting first is the famous example, but that, there's tons more examples where he just puts a bunch of CGI aliens into a scene for no reason. They yeah. don't, they well, don't need awful. to be there. And it's like, it's, it's so Lucas. Uh, so, um, yeah, but I, for me, it's close. I just, A New Hope's slightly ahead. Uh, like Kevin said, though, I will say, if Last Jedi, if it's awesome, that it could bump both the movie. It could, Swap that. Here's we, the thing: if the thing about the first movie in a series, it's building to the next one, right? If if majority rules, then I have to I have to just bow to your guys' opinion. That's fine for the definitive list. I'll just say this though: I don't see the Last Jedi beating Empire in any way. Okay. I just the Empire. Empire a, the Empire is like Empire is a ten. It's it makes the Godfather Part Two. It's the Dark Knight. It's it's it makes it's, the series. Yes, it does. It's the what? It's the movie that's an example the, of the, the bad guys trilogy. winning. Uh, and like it, it made the first trilogy Spoilers. so compelling, uh, because because they they finished a movie where the bad guys won. Like they and that oh, movie ended, and, and you're it like crushes you. You're like, dang, Empire won. Like we yeah. we lost. Hans frozen in carbonite. Like Luke is Luke lost his hand. Like things are bad. Lando Calrissian's got the Falcon, and he's wearing Hans clothes. <laughs> I like Lando though. All right. Anyway, uh, that's our take on the Seahawks. Uh, let me give you one reason to be excited about the Last Jedi. Ryan Johnson, director of Looper, great director. Uh, great sci-fi director. Looper's a really cool movie. You should check it out. He is directing Last Jedi, and I think it's going to be awesome. J.J. Abrams said, and I quote, I am sad that I'm not directing Episode Eight because I think this is the great Star Wars movie that we're making right now. So, hmm. uh, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be really good. I'm really excited about it. I will be watching it for uh, sure. I'll see, yeah. it th- I'll see it the Thursday, the day it comes out at midnight. I always do that with movies I really want to see. <laughs> so, speak like, like last week, I saw Wonder Woman Thursday at 7. And uh, if you want to know my Wonder Woman review, here you go. Two thumbs way up. Go see it as soon as possible. It's great. Uh, Eric? Agreed. Agreed. Might be in my top five superhero movies ever. I loved it. All right. Maybe we'll break that down in another week on the Seahawks Nest after Kevin's seen it. Uh, for Kevin Garber, I'm Nathan Santo. That's Eric Ronnebeck. Uh 
follow us on everything. Like us on iTunes. We are we are a group, and we'll see you next week. God, we've got to give them more time. Good times, bro. No, I ain't got nothing but a bag of green today.